0: Ho, ho, ho! Welcome to episode 7 of Chris's on Infinite Earths, or maybe it's Christmas on Infinite Earths, here at the Chris and Reggie channel. You can find this program usually every other Wednesday at chrisandreggie.podbean.com, also at weirdcomicshistory.blogspot.com, but coming to you a day early this time around because, well, it's Christmas. Uh, talk about uh, short shelf life for an episode. I don't know how uh, how popular this one will be tomorrow, But uh, if you're listening to it today, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, hope you're having a safe and uh, happy time with uh, friends, family, those you care about. Uh, Or if you're hanging by the lonesome, I hope you're having a good time as well. Today we're going to be discussing a book that's uh, near and dear to me, Uh, one of the ones that I think of immediately when it comes to uh, Christmas comics. Um, Over at the blog, today is the last day of the third annual 12 Days of Christmas on Infinite Earths And uh, the book we're discussing today, that JSA number 55 Was part of my first annual uh, 12 Days of Christmas on Infinite Earths way back in 2016 Uh, So we'll be talking about that And then we will be joined by our friend Chris Bailey, the Charlton hero And he will share some stories of his own He'll be uh, talking about... A, uh, DC comic that, uh, that he likes a lot. Uh, a Christmas, uh, themed one, of course. And he'll also be telling some stories about Christmases long, long ago. Uh, <laughs> things that, uh, tie into his comic fandom. And, uh, it, it, it'll be a good time. So, uh, so stay tuned for that. <coughs> now, like I said, it is Christmas, which, uh, you know, growing up is the day you look forward to all year, but, uh, As a grown-up, and uh, a grown-up who doesn't have children yet, or may never have children, uh, it's come to be the day that I I sort of dread the most, because it means that uh, the season's over, you know? Uh, When you're a kid, you just can't wait to open the gifts and and see family and all that stuff, and now it's it's more about the season than the day, and uh, the day itself just kind of signals the end of the season, and... The season, for me, it starts pretty early. Uh, People always complain that Christmas monopolizes a good portion of the year. And for me, it usually starts around mid-September because uh, that's when a local uh, bagel shop out here uh, sends out their email telling or proclaiming that pumpkin is back, the flavor. Uh, So pumpkin bagels are back, and that's when my mind starts spinning because uh, to me, uh, these days, Christmas is about... uh, feasts you know big meals with family uh we have our thanksgiving meal and then we have uh something that i call uh, the feast of the seven dishes which uh comes from the uh the italian custom the feast of the seven fishes that uh people would do on christmas eve uh but i don't like seafood so it's <laughs> it's just seven uh main courses that i uh that i prepare for for the family on christmas eve and then uh, the other half of the family comes over on christmas day and we well we don't usually finish it up but we make a we make a pretty good dent in it and uh we're eating good the rest of the week so it's a very good time it's a very good time now the thing of it is um it's odd uh christmas and comics outside of there actually being comics about christmas i and books that i read around christmas that may or may not have to do with the holiday i don't really have so many touchstones um like uh like, like when when we talked to uh Bailey a little bit later on he he has some very uh very sharp memories about how his comics fandom and Christmas kind of uh intersected where i, I really don't have that um as far as gifts are concerned nowadays i'll get you know trade collections and stuff cuz we usually do our shopping via amazon wish lists nowadays so it's just Whatever books I got my eye on, I just uh, I'll just throw them on the uh, the old wish list towards the end of the year, and I'll hold off on buying them myself, so you know we can do a gift exchange. But growing up, I really didn't get much in the way of comics uh, for Christmas. I did get my first two long boxes, where I felt like I officially made it. You know, you're you're a real fan when you have a long box, and uh, and I got two of them and. And I, and I've always been very meticulous with the way that I uh, compartmentalize and organize. It, it's it, it borders on the obsessive, and so I'd have my one long box that had my my X Men books, and that one was maybe about halfway full. And then I had the other one where everything else was, and it was. It was a real piddly like three or four inch stack, so I had like this one box that was almost empty and then this one box that was really, really almost empty. But uh that's that's like my first Christmas comic memory. Um, I did get an investment kit uh, for Christmas one year, and uh, I'm gonna talk more about that with uh, with Charlton Hero in a bit, so we'll we'll get to I'll save that one for later. But as I was saying earlier, uh, you know, Christmas is different when you're a grown-up. Uh, especially, and I might be projecting, but especially when you don't have children. Because uh, you don't, uh, you can't really live vicariously through uh, through a dog. You know, like I've got dogs and uh, we get them gifts. But you, you can't really live vicariously through them because, you know, they'll play with the rapid paper. They'll play with the toy. They'll just, you know, or they'll just ignore it wholesale. So, it's not, you don't get that, uh, you know, that glimmer in the eye of a kid when they, uh, when they open up that gift that they've been waiting for, for, I mean, uh, the whole year, for all you know, uh, so it's, it's different now. So for me, it's become more about, uh, concocting traditions, you know, you do things to mark the time of year, and, uh, yeah, I think about things like, you know, the 12 Days of Christmas on Infinite Earths at the blog. It's, uh, something I do to mark the occasion. I maybe, maybe in a way try to make it appear as though it's just as special as it was before, you know? It's, uh, it, when you think about it, it's, uh, it, it, it's a special time of year for so many of us, and, uh, it, it changes when you're a grown-up. And, I mean, I'm not saying anything anybody else hasn't already said... But we, you know, we go through our routines and we uh, we mark the time we get through it. And uh, something that t- seems like it takes forever to get here is gone in just an instant. And uh, I- that's kind of the reason why I moved this episode back a day. Just to uh, mark the occasion, you know. just It's going to be in the old Cosmic Treadmill archives forever as being released on Christmas, about Christmas. It's a... Uh, Silly stuff like that is, uh, is kind of what drives me sometimes, so <laughs> here we are with that. Um, this is going to be a particularly back-heavy episode, of course, we do have a guest, and uh, we'll be talking at length about several things Christmas-related, so uh, I will shut my app here and we'll go directly into JSA number 55 right after the horns. Okay, JSA number 55, cover dated February 2004. Story is called Be Good for Goodness' Sake. Written by Jeff Johns with pencils by Leonard Kirk. Inked by Keith Champagne and Wade Von Graubadger. Colors by Hi-Fi, letters by Jared K. Fletcher. Associate editor Stephen Wacker, Editor Peter Tomasi. And it's written for Jordan Marquise. Now we open, and it's Christmas Eve. So many of these books, uh, so many of these books open on Christmas Eve. It's a, I, I think I have like a macro when I'm doing these Christmas posts where the first three words of the synopsis are, it's Christmas Eve. Uh, but here we are, Christmas Eve, and we've, we're joining the Flash, uh, the Golden Age Flash, and Wildcat, as they're being led in an emerald construct sleigh by the Golden Age Green Lantern, Alan Scott, and Hawkman takes up the tail, he's flying behind them. Now, even on this peaceful night, uh, it's odd we uh, notice that Hawkman is still carrying his mace. Uh, <laughs> in light of Jay's non alcoholic eggnog, Ted declares that this is going to be yet another boring Christmas Eve with the fogies. He asks Alan if they're there yet, but uh, nah, it's still about 20 minutes till they get where they're going. Now, we shift scenes to an almost idyllic Christmas time scene in Londonbury, New Hampshire. It really looks like something off of a greeting, greeting card here. It makes me a little bit homesick. Uh, uh, living in Arizona the way I do, we don't really have things called seasons. <laughs> it's basically just varying levels of hot and uh, dry. Um, Christmas marks that magical two- to three-week period where I might not have to turn the air conditioning on. Though I will say that I have turned the uh, air conditioning on on Christmas, and it's a heartbreaking thing every single time. Now anyway, we see a woman and her children, they're having car trouble. Lucky for her, there's a good Samaritan passing by, dressed just like Santa Claus. We jump over to a local department store, and the Santa line is growing long and excitable. A hoity-toity manager is annoyed that Santa Claus is running late and threatens to fire him. An assistant reminds him that their Santa was part of the sale agreement for the business, and that they've used this same Santa for over 50 years now. Santa finally arrives, only 10 minutes late, but if uh, the manager's to be believed, this has got to have been the most important 10 minutes on, in the history of this planet. Now, before Santa could start taking requests, a trio of robbers enters the establishment. They're all wearing sort of like cheapo plastic Santa masks. Now, after an alarm sounds, they threaten to start taking hostages, but, uh, ain't gonna happen on this Santa's watch. One he draws his firearm, however, before he can do anything about it, the department store fills up with, an, with emerald energy reindeer. Santa smirks, as though he had been expecting the cavalry to arrive the whole time. And boy, do they arrive. Uh, they make short work of these thugs. Uh, one tries to flee the scene, but Santa grabs for him and gets his beard sliced off for his troubles. But wait a second, we finally see who's behind the beard, and, uh, well, it's not a fella at all, it's actually... The Golden Age Red Tornado, Ma Hunkle She wallops the baddie And it's time for a uh, Golden Age Reunion with her pals We jump ahead to Ma's house And it's uh, pretty much a Justice Society Museum, Uh, it's really Really cool, Uh, we got framed Photographs all over the place And uh, the coolest thing of all here She's got a Christmas tree, right? But it's it's, uh, sitting in Her old Red Tornado Helmet, which was a Basically an upturned uh, You know, cooking pot with Eye slits in it Uh, She was, you know, the toughest ma on the block She she was taking care of all the kids In the neighborhood So uh, it's really, really cool to see this visual Now as Alan And Jay admire her home She enters with coffee and cookies And now this is where we get our proper introduction So if you didn't know her before this This is where you're going to get to know her You know, she was a concerned mother Who was trying to keep her neighborhood clean And She had no superpowers, just a heck of a lot of guts. She asks Alan how he's doing, and he discusses his newfound appreciation for Christmas. He's now looking forward to spending the day with his family, whereas before, as a broadcasting executive, the holidays were nothing more than a burden. It was just, you know, a busier time of year where he'd see his family even less. She turns to Jay, and he's almost a new man himself. He's got Bart Allen in his life, making him feel young again. And he talks about having to search toy stores both in the U.S. and Japan to find everything on Bart's wish list. Uh, Ted, a quiet philanthropist that he is, he's opening a gym to the public so that they can feed the poor. Uh, It's funny, he's kind of embarrassed to to even uh, confirm this. But he, he does at the end of the day. Finally, she turns to Carter, and he's standing by the window all by his lonesome. Now one of the big subplots during this time was that Hawkman and Hawk Girl really don't see eye to eye on that whole shared destiny thing that they've got going on. Carter is still into the old way of doing things where they live, they love, they die. And so the cycle goes on. The current Hawk Girl, which is Kendra Saunders, she's really not feeling it. <laughs> she's trying to fight their destiny. And and it's really well done in the JSA book and uh I don't think the Hawkman solo series had started by this point But it continues in there as well It was uh, really, really well done uh, Either way, Carter is upset that Kendra is spending Christmas with her family rather than with him uh, Despite their own spiritual beliefs Christmas is and was still a special day for them to share Ma suggests that maybe he go down to, uh, to the gym and help Wildcat uh, feed the poor uh, And it looks like she might be on to something Now, next up, we get to catch up with Ma herself. The thing of it is, is she wound up testifying against the yellow mask mob in order to keep them off the streets. In order to to avoid retaliation, the government facilitated her, quote-unquote, death. Ever since, she's been in a sort of a witness relocation situation, and was even kept away from her sons. Well, Alan comes with some good news tonight. Uh, Turns out the last living relative of the yellow mask mob had just passed away. And so Ma is now free to rejoin the living, and even better, she could rejoin the Justice Society of America as the museum curator, so she can come back into the fold as well. We jump ahead a bit and see that Ma has made herself at home at the Brownstone. doesn't take her long to settle in and make herself an institution there. Now she gets to be everybody's ma And this is really a touching scene This is great Um, And I severely doubt that my words are doing it any judge this year It's such a wonderful little scene here Uh, You know, I usually save my recommendation bit For the end of the uh, episode Or the end of the segment But uh, this is one I really suggest you check out (laughs) Okay, now, as weird as this might sound, my initial reaction whenever I read this issue or issues like this, it, it's <laughs> it's not the joy you'd imagine, it's more anger. Uh, because this is such a wonderful group of characters here that DC retired in 2011. They tossed them out, they flushed them down the toilet to uh, for some very short-term gains, and... Uh, Part of me, uh, part of me is sure they knew they were short-term gains Because there's no way they could have kept up What they had, uh, the momentum that they had They'd tried to pull there in 2011 with, uh, the New 52 Uh, this is, these are just such great characters Um, <laughs> and it, it kind of stinks that, uh Rather than enjoying it for what it is I, I keep getting pulled into, uh, into my New 52 bias, uh I mean, they say Christmas is you know you have chestnuts roasting on an open fire. You know my one of my chestnuts is uh, is hatred of the new 52. Oh, not hatred, but uh, just uh, a a real uh, perturbment at the new fifty two and the situation around it and just what we lost. Uh, like we talked last time around, uh, we talked about DC Universe rebirth and how that sort of started to make everything right. And uh, there were signs that we're heading in the right direction, but. Unfortunately, we're still in a holding pattern there. Now, um, one of the things that a lot of us reviewer types uh, will mention when we review a comic book is this nebulous metric called heart. You know, I've used it, a lot of folks have used it, where you 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 can say that a book has or doesn't have heart, but you really can't quant- uh, qualify that statement, you know? Uh, one of the ways I explain it, and I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent here, so uh, I, I beg your indulgence. Uh, for those of us who actually read some of the uh, Image Comics launch books, and uh, and by read I mean actually read, didn't just go to a 50 worst drawings of in- insert artist here cutesy blog post on the internet. I mean you actually read, say Young Blood number one and Wildcats number one. Let's look at Youngblood first here. It's, it's, it's kind of a disaster, right? I mean, we, we discussed it on the Cosmic Treadmill a couple of years ago. It's kind of a disaster, but it kind of has heart, too. You know, it's like an earnest... I, I can't even call it a failure, but it's like an earnest disaster. It's an earnest mess where there is a lot of heart there because of the passion of, of Rob Liefeld, the passion of the creative team to, to make an impact you jump over to Wildcats, and while it's technically better, like on in every sense of the word, the writing, the art, it's technically better. But it doesn't have heart, if, if you ask me. This is another one we discussed on the treadmill way back in the day, but Wildcats seems so template, you know? This is... Okay, we've got the one with the claws We've got the one, you know, the the one uh, leader We have the big guy We have the girl who could do magic They were just such template characters That were just made to sell comic books Rather than to tell a story That when I look at it It doesn't have heart Uh, I, I see it as very, very sterile Very, very boilerplate early 90s superheroics Where... Something like Youngblood, while in its way a, a commercial, you know, <laughs> or a definitely there as a way to make money, but there was heart there. There was, there, you could tell that there was an affinity for, or there was a a grander picture. This is something you could tell that uh, Leifeld was probably, you know, laboring over for a little while, you know, despite the end result, of course. But like my point of the my point is that it it had heart. It felt like it it felt like it meant something to the creator. And uh, you know, as someone who takes in a lot of content from everywhere, <laughs> everywhere possible, I mean, there's content no matter where you look. You're getting content these days, whether it's audio, visual, uh, text. Uh, passion and heart is one of those things that I'll make allowances for, uh, where something might not be technically sound or proficient or even good. But if I can tell that the person behind it is passionate about it, I will give it a pass usually. And uh, and, and I mean, I'm I'm definitely going off on a tangent here because this issue of JSA is technically beautiful. Uh, Leonard Kirk's work here is incredible. Jeff Johns, I've gone on at length about uh, about how much I enjoy Johns' work here and. You know, as as more evidence of heart, uh, something I, I neglected to mention last time around when we discussed rebirth is, uh, you know, we talked about that scene where Barry and Wally hugged, and uh, how tough that is for a lot of us to get through, or or maybe I'm projecting, but uh, in uh, around that time, Johns appeared on the like the in-house DC fan show, uh, like a DC Access or DC Clubhouse or wh- whatever it's called. But uh, he was asked about that very scene, and he was choking up just recalling having written it. You know, it's uh, the affinity and the heart is there, and uh, and just like this issue with my uncle here, there is just a ton of heart here, even though I can't really qualify just what I mean by that. I I I hope I hope I hope you're following me here, and I hope you understand what I'm getting at. It's just a, that nebulous metric that you really can't, you really can't put a number on. You can't, this isn't a, you know, a something, an X out of 10 sort of a, sort of a metric. But, uh, I hope you follow me here. Uh, now, uh, for this issue on its own, uh, it's, it's great. It's, 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 it, it's a little breezy, but it's wonderful. Um, and, and it's not often that a writer can elicit such an emotional reaction and, uh, and Johns is able to uh, in, in several situations, as as we've discussed. Now this was a celebration of the golden age. It's also a celebration of family. Um, just really wonderful, wonderful book. Uh, and the first time that I had reread this for the blog, I had actually forgotten that Ma Uncle was under Santa's beard. So. That was a, a big reveal for me. Uh, it was like a homecoming where I just remembered, oh, okay. You know, all the pieces came into place because I knew my uncle came back, but I'd forgotten how. So when the reveal actually happened, yeah, I must have been sitting there with like the, the, the dopiest grin on my face. Uh, the, the whole reunion scene was wonderful. Um, I love the fact that she was able to rejoin her friends in the society after being... You know, uh, you know, more or less dead to the world for so long, and of course, you know those those Easter eggs like the Red Tornado soup soup pot helmet, <laughs> acting as a planter for the Christmas tree. I love that. That's just really, really great. Um, taking my uncle out of it, uh, the chatter among the the you know Alan and Jay and Ted and and Carter in the in the early parts of the issue was all, so much fun. Uh, you know, these guys have been these guys have been hanging out for you know over a half century you know and it, and they've got such a great bantery repartee where they know how to push each other's buttons but you know there's just an underlying respect and love and adoration for one another there really great um hawkman having the mixed feelings about the holiday uh in light of hawkgirl being a little less than receptive to their shared destiny that that was cool because it you know, this, instead of this just being like a standalone Christmas issue They are bringing in elements of what it was going on in the overall narrative It makes this issue, uh, I, I can't say less special, but less of a special You know, this is just the next chapter, and, and it's great um, it is, As I mentioned, this was a long-running subplot ever since the return of Hawkman And uh, it was well-handled the whole way uh, John's really took us on some... Uh, Twists and turns here. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we've got. Yeah. You know, Any time I see Alan and Jay together, uh, you're just reminded that these guys are like the cornerstones of this entire universe, and uh, they're just such a comforting presence, you know. And without them having been around for nearing on a decade now, my I don't count those Earth, the Earth, the New Fifty Two Earth Two characters. I don't count those. I accept them as versions of Alan and Jay, but they're not Alan and Jay. You know what I mean? Um, having Ted there kind of as the Guy Gardner-ish of the team was cool. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's irascible. He's sarcastic, but underneath it all, you know, he's going to be there for you. He's, you know, he's the classic heart of gold, lovable jerk kind of guy. Um, really, really great stuff here. Uh, and, and, and as if my recommendation isn't uh, isn't clear by now, if you're a DC Comics fan, you really owe it to yourself to check out not only this issue but this run. Uh, go back to the JSA number one back in I think 1999. The, it was uh, James Robinson wrote it I believe. Definitely get on with this uh, with this uh, franchise. Uh, you could even go back to the two uh, the two series in the early 90s with the. It was uh, Len uh Mike Parabek did the art for the second series, and, and some of the first as well. Really good stuff here. Um, this is, uh, it, it's funny because, like, you think about this, and I don't know how DC looked at these characters and thought, yeah, nobody wants to read these guys. Because it's just, it, it is DC in so many ways. Uh, without them... Without their presence, it, it, it the DC universe is a lesser place, and it's a it, it it's a, like it's it's missing that nebulous metric. It's missing heart. All right, and that'll do it for my segment of uh, Chris's on Infinite Earths, episode number seven. We're gonna send it over after the horns to uh, my discussion with Chris Bailey, Charlton Hero. Um, before we do go, I definitely want to wish everyone a Happy holiday, Merry Christmas, uh, wonderful new year because it'll be 2019 the next time one of these episodes drops. Uh, Hope you stay safe and uh, stay warm for uh, those of you in the colder climates. See you after the horns. And welcome to the other side where I am joined by Chris Bailey, Charlton Hero. Merry Christmas,
1: Hero. How are you? Hey, Merry Christmas to you, my brother. I am doing fantastic here live in a Technicolor from The Rock. (laughs)
0: Oh, you cracked me up again Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So I I invited you back on here to uh, Just like last time you told your story of Superblog Team Up But today, since it is Christmas We figure we uh, talk about some Christmas We talk about uh, maybe some Christmas comics Favorite Christmas comics Some Christmas memories that have to do with comics uh, Maybe just Christmas in general So uh, once again, welcome
1: Well, I'm loving this. So you know what? Like the story we're about to discuss, you know what? I'm pulled back into the infinite earths, but this time I think I've got a tale befitting of your podcast, sir. So number one, thanks for having me back, Chris, and what better timing just mere hours before many of us celebrate Christmas. And you know what? As I record this very podcast by the fire with my robe on, with my giant glass of eggnog, I'm here to wish everyone a
0: Merry Christmas. Certainly, certainly. And, uh, I, I only let myself have eggnog once a year. Uh, I, I, I got into my head that like I can eat as much cake or as much uh, like a big bag of Oreos if I wanted to. But eggnog <laughs> is kind of beyond the pale because I, that is just too fatty.
1: So <laughs> I'll <laughs> hey, only do that one day a year. Hey, <laughs> man, listen, calories don't count in December. Do you know that? That is a dietary fact, my friend. I think you're right. I, b- I believe <laughs> I really so. Right. I, I, I tend to believe, I try to tell my wife that every day, like every day is December here at the Bailey household.
0: <laughs> there you go. And, uh, you know, this is a season that kind of, it takes forever to get here, but once it's here, it's gone in a flash. Uh, for me, uh, and I, and I might've mentioned this earlier, but, uh, the holiday season for me starts like probably mid September because, uh, <laughs> that's when the local bagel store sends out the email to say, Hey, pumpkin bagels are back. <laughs> Oh, and, uh, no. and that's when, that's when my mind starts spinning. Cause, uh, I do, I do a couple of big meals for, for the holiday season. That's my whole big thing. I do the huge <laughs> Thanksgiving dinner and I do, I do the feast of the seven dishes on, oh, uh, my goodness. on, uh, Christmas Eve, which, uh. It's it's usually it's the the feast of the seven fishes but since I don't like fish I just make seven main courses so,
1: oh, Well, so I'm I, I was looked I was checking my mail today and I did not see the invite Chris I'm a I'm little disappointed.
0: Oh, I want to part of that meal be on the way All right,
1: now, uh, keep looking.
0: How about you tell me a little bit about about your feelings about uh this uh wonderful season
1: Well, you know what? Let me start by saying it's no secret Charlton Hero loves Christmas. You know what? Every year I tend to get teary-eyed. I get sentimental. You know, the holidays always bring me back to Christmas past. So, you know what? I'm a big fan of, you know, remembering and reminiscing about my childhood. But when it happens that, you know, to all the folks out there in the void who are listening, you're not alone. If you're listening, you have a few minutes of Hmm. downtime. This Christmas is a great time to join us. And we're going to share some fun fun holiday Christmas memories. Can't wait to get into it.
0: Yeah, it's funny. We were talking off the air just a few moments ago about uh, how, uh, you know, certain comics can do it right. You know, uh, they, they really can, can move you. They can, uh, they can make you think about the times past, uh, whether it's a story that kind of resonates with you or it's just a book that you got around the holidays that just Absolutely. brings you back to, you know, where you, you can actually remember yourself laying on the floor at your parents' house and you can smell what's on the stove. You know, that's the kind of stuff that that really gets to me, and uh, especially when it comes to comes to Christmas because that's just such a warm time, and it's a uh, it's it's usually my 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 annual barometer. It's always wh- where something happens, insofar as how close it was to Christmas is kind of I the agree. Way My yeah, exactly. It's just you know, it's just such a a strong indicator of you know wh- what's going on in my life, and it always has been. And it always uh, it always makes it so much easier to recall things. And uh, when we read these comics, and we're going to discuss some, uh, and also some some that aren't technically Christmas comics, but do you know remind us of Christmas. And we'll get into that as we uh, as we go along. Absolutely. Um, so tell me, uh, what what are some of your favorite uh, Christmas comics?
1: It's actually harder to think about it than I actually thought. You know what? So when it comes to my favorite Christmas comics, I really had to dig deep. You know, um, I went back and I looked through, you know, all my Christmas comics that I have in my bins and my boxes. And one thing that sticks out was always the giant size DC holiday Christmas. So, you know, Christmas with the superheroes. They were always a blast. And that cover always hits me every time. I'm nostalgic for it. But you know what? It's not the comic I'm covering today. But you know that was that's a solid that's a solid book for anyone out there. The giant sized, check it no, out, you're,
0: folks. You're, you're talking about the one like the Treasury edition from the. 70s. Absolutely,
1: yeah. Yes,
0: yeah. Because I it. actually I actually covered the uh, the regular sized Christmas with the superheroes number one with the uh, I think it was a John Byrne cover. Yes, I covered that for uh, Superblog Team up in 2016, uh, which even you know two years removed still might be my longest post to date. <laughs> nice, was, nice segue,
1: but, my friend. Nice because segue. I covered,
0: I covered the entire thing. It was like six stories. Uh, I tell, I'm telling you, it took days to write that post. Uh,
1: but uh, it, was a, it was a beauty, my friend. Thank you. But uh, you know, without the, with that uh, tangent out of the way, uh, I'll oh, let goodness. you continue. I'll tell you. Also, back to Christmas stories. Uh, when when I think of Christmas books, one thing that I always remember who always does a great job, was Archie Comics. As a fan of Archie Comics, Christmas books were everywhere. You know, Archie, just go to a store right now. I guarantee you, you will find an Archie's Christmas stocking. Every year I would always enjoy those Christmas stories, but the only thing that uh, that comes with buying Archie is that I cannot recall one single story <laughs> that I have ever read from an Archie comic, which is sad to say because I have so many in my collection. But I guess I guess they're just disposable fun, but you know what? Archie does a great job, so check them out, folks. They're a great stocking stuffer.
0: I've never been an Archie fan, but uh... – I tell you, I have a weakness for any Christmas story I find in the wild, any Christmas comic. Uh, It could be any time of year. It could be any publisher. Uh, If I find it in the bins and it's Christmas, I'm going to grab it regardless. It's just uh, one of those weaknesses I have. uh, I just got to do it.
1: It, it absolutely and i agree with you 100 percent. and most companies do a good you know a reasonable job of it marvel comics sometimes not so much so you know stick <laughs> st- stick with dc folks that's what i'm telling you <laughs> it's, it's, i was actually looking
0: because uh because on the blog right now i'm doing the uh, 12 my third annual 12 days of christmas on infinite earths and uh and, and, you know, they, they always kind of, they always kind of suffer in the, in the view count. Uh, people aren't always too, uh, keen to check out the Christmas stories, especially when the flash stars in it,
1: but. Uh, oh no, poor, <laughs> poor flash. There gotta be Deborah, some Christmas man. love for the flash.
0: It's true. <laughs> but, uh, I was,
1: uh,
0: I, I, check out the, uh, you know, like the comics database or comics.org and I, I, I try to see what Christmas books I might've overlooked. And I, uh, was checking DC and then I checked Marvel just on a lark and, uh. There really isn't as many. Um, no, and I, I really can't speak for the quality. It's been it's been ages since I've read a whole lot of Marvel, but uh, it, it's uh, it's definitely uh, up behind DC insofar as how much of it is available out there. If you're looking for it, it, it doesn't really speak for quality,
1: but it is what no. it is. And. Just do a Google search of, like, comic book Christmases. You'll always sure. see the images of DC. You'll see the entire Justice League, you know, mm-hmm. hanging hanging mistletoe and, you know, decorating her Christmas tree. You know, Mar- Marvel, I don't know. I don't know what their deal. I think they hate Christmas. I honestly do. <laughs> they just might. <laughs> now, uh, now which, uh, which comic were you uh, were you looking to talk about? Well, it's one of my favorite childhood books. Believe it or not, it's The New Adventures of Superboy. Mm. So I am a diehard Kurt Swan fan, and uh, this one captures about as much Kurt Swan as you could possibly get without having Kurt Swan. So <laughs> it's the, uh, it's volume four, and it's cover dated uh, March 1983, and it's issue 39, and it's titled A World Without Christmas. So for context, I love the famous Christmas story, A Christmas Carol. You know the story about Ebenezer Scrooge, where he learns you know the true meaning of Christmas after he's visited by three ghosts. Love the story.
0: Wait a minute, you mean you mean Ebenezer Scrooge who's visited by the Teen Titans, right?
1: Oh, uh, absolutely. <laughs> same <laughs> has to be the same guy. It has to be
0: because that <laughs> one was pretty. That was a swinging story, but uh, I, I, it was what it was.
1: Ebenezer <laughs> Scrounge
0: oh, <goodness. laughs> and It takes them like half the issue to make the connection. They're like, wait a second, wait a second, cats. <laughs> Wonder chick, this is this is just like that one story. Uh, you can't win oh, no. them all, folks. It's true. I'll let you continue.
1: <laughs> well, you know what? In this tale, in this particular book, Superboy plays, you know, the role of the three ghosts. So he takes a friend who has lost his Christmas smile. Uh, so he actually takes him to the multiverse and wants to make him see the true meaning of the holiday. So we start out in the Kent household where, you know, good old Ma and Pa Kent are holding a Christmas get-together. And present are Clark Kent. He's, you know, he's Superboy, but shh, don't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, over for the uh, for the get-together happens to be uh, girlfriend Lana Lang, good friend Pete Ross, and of course, everyone's favorite super uh, superhero uh, or Superboy, Friend, It's Bash Bashford. Now, if you haven't heard of Bash Bashford, well, I don't know. This is the story. Now you're about to find out the true meaning of uh, Bash Bashford. Uh, Everyone who uh, seems to be having a swimmingly great time around a Christmas tree, everyone's caroling, but Bash sits in the corner like a stick in the mud. Obviously, you know what? He's just not into the Christmas spirit. Lana even attempts to come over and cheer him up. She puts some mistletoe up and even tries to kiss him. But guess what? Bash is just not having this Christmas stuff. And he's mm. certainly not worried about any kisses. So in <laughs> front of everybody, he has a meltdown of epic proportions. He even goes into an anti-Christmas speech saying Christmas has lost his magic. And it's gone too commercial. And everything is mass-produced and artificial. And he even goes so far as to break Lana's mistletoe, claiming it's just plastic. Now, brother, that is rude. That's just something you don't do. You don't. It's Lana Lang. What the heck? What's (laughs) wrong with this guy? So anyway, the Kents try to reason with poor Bash, and he apologizes eventually, realizing, you know, he may have lost a shot with Lana, I assume. Uh, But anyway, for ruining the evening. So he rushes away into the cold night. Now, Clark, being the good friend that he is, he he rushes after Bash, but Bash is not having any of it. He is not going to listen to Clark Kent, but guess what? Maybe, just maybe, he'll listen to Superboy.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: So Superboy meets a very disgruntled bash and tries to reason with him and, you know, tries to talk him down off the rooftop and say, you know, just trying to change his mind about Christmas. So what does Superboy do? Obviously, the only thing we could do to change someone's mind about Christmas, he just, you know, he entraps him. He, he removes his cape, wraps him up like a mummy, and leaps into the air into the multiverse. Of course, that's what we all do. It's, yes, course. absolutely. Yeah. If you see someone at your Christmas party, folks, wrap them up in your cape and leap into the multiverse and fix their uncultured bum. There you go. That's what I'll tell you.
0: <laughs> I'm looking at the page now and it's it's
1: pretty wild. It's, <laughs> he, he just he just wraps them up like a burrito and it's off. It is so not 2018 of them. I'm sure I'm sure, uh, I'm sure that would be not. frowned upon in this particular age. But anyway. <laughs> As they arrive, Superboy, of course, shows Bash a world that is without the season. Of course, it's disgruntled. The entire place is dilapidated. You know, it looks exactly like Smallville, except the town is destroyed. It's filled with pollution. And the town folks, boy, have they really given up on Christmas. And apparently the environment, by God. So, uh, you know, Superboy and Bash are attacked by angry town folk who, of course... Every single angry town folk you can picture is you know the typical torch and pitch, <laughs> pitchfork mob, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely, yeah. So they come after uh, they come after Superboy. So while Superboy is disarming the locals, Bash, of course, uh, disappears. So he starts to uh, take a look at this alternate Smallville. So Bash uncovers, of course, a ground of underground rebels led by none other than pa Kent. That's right. So the rebels are actually hiding underground to celebrate Christmas. And they are trying to keep the spirit alive, Chris. I mean, how noble. In secret. In secret. In, in secret. secret. This yes. is secret Christmas, people. These people are not allowed to have Christmas, so they're doing it underground. This, this is passion, people. This is like footloose, but different. <laughs> it is, It is. It is literally footloose Christmas. This is what we're dealing with here. <laughs> so along the way, we get to see alternate versions of everybody. However... Bash doesn't see an alternate version of himself, so he wonders, you know, where his doppelganger happens to be in this cruel world. But anyway, by the time Superboy finds him, Bash has already made good with the Rebels, and of course, now he has the Christmas spirit, and he's leading them in Christmas cheer. So, you know, even though in a world without Christmas, no one wants, you know, a reality in this world, so he is leading a group in a rousing Christmas sing-along. I mean, this is a transformed guy. Like he went Absolutely. from hating Christmas to breaking Lana Lang's mistletoe to now leading an <laughs> underground group of Christmas lovers. Imagine. It's great. How far this guy's come in this new world. So anyway, the locals have, you know, they've discovered this underground contraband, Santa loving peacekeepers. And you know, the pitchfork brigade, they attack again. As they do. Of course. You know, this this is what you do if you if you hate Christmas. You attack people with pitchforks, apparently. <laughs> This time, however, they are held off by a mysterious masked rebel. Ah, I bet, you, I bet our audience can't put two and two together who this guy might be. But anyway, he assists the fight and gets everybody to safety. And while he does that, Superboy and Bash escape out the back door and back to their own earth. How clever. He just leaves this guy to the dust, right? He just, sure. he just, he just met this underground gang of Christmas lovers. And, you know, the Pitchfork gang is at the door and they disappear out the back door. Merry Christmas, people. Merry Christmas. <laughs> anyway, we just dis- we discover that, you know, the man who led the Christmas Rebels, this mysterious guy, is actually the alternate version of Bash, Bashford himself. Well, How about well, that? Oh well, well. It's Old Man Withers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Anyway, once home, of course, Bash has seen the error of his ways, and now, of course, he has the Christmas spirit in his heart. So he returns to the Christmas party, a new man. And even dressed as Santa. So this guy who hates Christmas, he is actually now Santa. Talk so about a 180, right? This um, this is a transformation, Chris. I mean, this guy found the <laughs> smile. Everybody wonders what's gotten into old Bash, but Clark just reminds him just to enjoy it while it lasts. And bang, the credits roll. Oh, my heart is broken. I'm, I'm I'm wiping tears away right now.
0: <laughs> and uh, did did Bash Bash would make any uh, make many uh, appearances after this?
1: I'm uncertain, but I, I certainly hope not. I got a funny feeling that parallel Earth Bash Bashford has a has a pitchfork in him at some point somewhere after being left in the wolves. <laughs> Superboy <laughs> is... <laughs> left them high and dry. So now it's a, now it's not only a world without Christmas, it's a world without Bash as well. Oh. <laughs> I got a million of them, people. I tell you, and, uh, and
0: it's funny when the first time I read this, I had assumed that we were going to find out that the Bash Bashford that, that was hanging out with Clark and Lana was the Bash Bashford from this world without a Christmas. Oh, my God. Because he much couldn't find his That's it. too much
1: to think about, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> he
0: couldn't find his alternative version. So I thought,
1: oh, maybe he was from this town without Christmas, made his way over, and he still hates Christmas. <laughs> or, may, or maybe, if we were doing a Marvel comic spin, maybe the Bash Bashford that is Santa is actually alternate Bash Bashford. Oh, my God. The possibilities, my friend. This is another Clone Saga. He swapped them out. I He swapped
0: them out. He <laughs> dropped, he dropped <laughs> the other patch, patch over there.
1: <laughs> but you know what? This is the kind of cool story. Like, I'm a big fan of one and done comics. So back sure. in the 80s, a lot of these one and done stories, I mean, you know what? They had no relevance whatsoever to the big scheme of things. They were pre-crisis story. They didn't relate to any other book on the market. You know, it literally had zero relevance to anything going on. I mean, you know sure. what? Superman books certainly did not relate to the, uh, you know, the world that Christmas, you know, this particular issue. There was never, ever another mention of this book. Thank yeah. God, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It's actually relevant because, you know, crisis happens a few years later. But yeah. this book goes in great detail. So if you do have a copy of this book, Superboy, uh, New Adventures of Superboy 39, check out pages five and six. They go over the top trying to explain the multiverse. Yeah. And he also he says, literally, he quotes, I recently discovered a strange phenomenon of the universe, a whole slew of alternate earths that exist parallel to this one. Each earth exists slightly on a different vibratory plane. And by vibrating my own body at just the right speed, I'm able to slip from one dimension to another. I mean, this is, this is a revelation here. I'm telling you. And it's,
0: it's crazy. Cause I, I, uh, I started reading uh, DC when it was, you know, in the post-crisis world and, uh, I would hear people talk about, or I would read about people's memories of the pre-crisis, and I would think, "God, how do you, how would you read that?" Because it's just so insane to consider all these possibilities and multiple Superman and multiple Batman. Yeah. But in my in my older years now, uh, or more mature years, I should say, <laughs> it, it all makes perfect sense. The the, the pre-crisis, I, I can make sense of it now.
1: Yes, and uh, you know, it, it seems to sit. You know, it 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 makes sense in the fabric, we you know, and that's for one that sure. Makes- one of the big things that I despise about New 52, mm-hmm. they did away with these stories. I mean, yeah, yeah, they you know they had no relevance to anything that's going on in, in modern comics. For However, sure. I, I like to think that every comic book that I read actually means something and has some value. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I like to go back. I like to enjoy the fact that a Bash Bashford existed, for example. Exactly. So I, don't, I don't want that thrown away. But boy, no. did this, you know, did this plot line carry weight for the future of the DC universe, man? They were building this notion hard way for this Christmas story. So.
0: <laughs> for sure. Man. For sure. Because like nowadays, it seems like uh, they want everything to matter, but they don't pay enough mind to the continuity to make it matter. So the they don't stick the landing, But but they want you to read everything, of course, because, you know, it is a business, but... They want you to read everything because they think every they say that everything matters, but they don't they don't actually stick the landing. They don't yes. they don't make sure everything fits.
2: Absolutely,
0: uh, it's just like something you know. I, I'm looking at the past couple of years of rebirth and Lord uh, Lord Zod or what General Zod has showed up in like every book. Yes. It's like, I don't under, and of course it could be, you know, different, different universes, different time frames, but it's just, we have, we have more villains than this. Yes, so exactly. Why, why, why do we keep playing the same card over and over? And it's just so, it's just so crazy because, uh, you know, the, in the era of, cause they're bringing back editorial footnotes now after those had gone out of Vogue
1: love those um, Love it yes, that was, absolutely that's a, that's a definitely a big missing piece of comic books today i mean yeah. i'll tell you who was a master of that and that was jim shooter man when he oh, ran marvel goodness. comics he had threads upon threads something that happened in dazzler you know would mean something in power man and iron fist the next week you know what i mean oh sure sure everything yeah. meant something and they noted it in the comics so you knew to go back and check that out come oh, on man. like what's wrong with that and, and when Wolverine had his uh had his
0: mini series in nineteen eighty two or whatever. Yes. They took him out of the X Men books for those four months.
1: Exactly. So like like- I'm telling you, like the, these guys <laughs> had a plan. They they, they actually did. had a
0: plan. They but actually had the whiteboards with the yarn and all that good stuff. It's everything. Boy, they-
1: they- well, Marvel clearly threw out those whiteboards because there's there's no <laughs> semblance of order right now. I don't mean to be anti-Marvel, folks. I, I do like Marvel, so if you do like Marvel, I apologize. I'm not a Marvel hater, but you know, I I would like to see some more continuity brought back to Marvel Comics. I, would, you know what, Jim Shooter, if you're listening, please, please come back to Marvel, please. No, we need you now more. We than need ever. you now, Shooter. Come back. <laughs> no, uh,
0: we, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of other because uh, today uh, when i discussed uh, jsa 55 um that that's a very special christmas book to me um i'm not sure if you've read that one hero uh it's uh yes, an so I'm issue. Pretty certain I have. it's the issue that reintroduces ma Hunkel. okay and yes. uh you know she's the golden age red tornado and she's been in like some sort of like a uh a, a witness protection type of a situation Where uh so
1: she's the, pe- the garbage The garbage bucket over the head girl right
0: yes She's the yes. Uh, the the soup pot over the head Yes <laughs> and uh the yeah the Toughest mom on the block but uh <laughs> She was in a uh like a witness Relocation type of a situation where there Were people coming after her and uh She's told that they're no longer a threat To her so she's invited back To the justice society brownstone And it's a very Very touching story um and it's uh, it's one of those uh, people who've listened to this show know that I'm kind of a softie and this is a, this is one of those that kind of gets me but uh, uh i i it's crazy because I'll read these things any time of year.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. You know what? If you can find a story that really resonates with you, it, mm-hmm. it's the, it, it, those are the books that I go back to all the time. Sure. Absolutely. And Christmas is a big part of that because it touches all our lives in different ways. I mean, you may not celebrate Christmas, but you know what? The holiday season is something that always drives emotion, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. And Certainly. when you can latch onto that and harness that, that's some of the best stories out there.
0: Oh, very well said. Very well said. Um, we're about to talk about some memories associated with Christmas comics. Yes, and, uh, absolutely. But, but before we do that, I I did cover an issue of a uh, Flash again, but this was a Wade issue of the Flash, so people read it um, on the blog. And oh, flash warning, folks! <laughs> flash warning. But this was a Wade issue, so people actually read that post. Um, <laughs> okay. In this one, because something I like to say is that. Uh, Comics history is more than just comics history; it's also our history, and yes. uh, because we can track our entire lives through these things, and I think a lot of us do. And in this issue of Flash, Wally is kind of coming to grips with the fact that he's a grown-up, which kind of sucks.
1: <laughs> and yes, it
0: does. Because
1: where's uh, our Wally? <laughs> right?
0: Because uh, when you're when you're a kid, you know, Christmas has this different kind of magic, and I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying anything that's you know, mind blowing here, but, uh, when you become an adult and when you don't, when you're an adult without children, cause, uh, children might not be in the cards for me and the wife. So Christmas has a different kind of, uh, feeling than, than you with your children. Yeah, I'm sure, absolutely. I'm sure like you're living through your children for their Christmas joy is yours. percent. Um, absolutely. And, uh, in this issue, Wally is kind of coming to grips with the fact that it's not that it's not the same anymore. And, uh, Christmas is no longer about, you know, what's under the tree. It's more about family, which is the way it should be. But he, but he mentions, he's like, sometimes I wish I had the magic of opening that baseball mitt under the tree. You know, he, he loves the whole, the whole dynamic shift of being with family and how it is all about the warmth of, you know, the holiday. But, uh, but there is something, there's that magic missing where he's no longer unwrapping the baseball mitt. And, uh, and, and, it, and it really hits you hard when you think about that because, I think, I think in a lot of our adulthoods, uh, you know, it's funny because people say about comic fans uh, that a lot of us spend our young adulthoods trying to recapture our childhood by buying all the comics that our parents threw out. Yes, you know. <laughs> yes. So you, I are, think... <laughs>
1: you are spot on on this. This is and exactly. I, right.
0: And I think a lot of it. A lot of us. Uh, a lot of people, comic fans or not. When you're a young adult into your mid adulthood, I suppose you're trying to recapture the magic of Christmas from a, from being a child because it, it is different, definitely different. But uh,
1: uh, well, I'm, I'm a parent, and you know what? I have four four kids, mm-hmm. and um, and you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I remember the year vividly when. You know, you just felt Christmas was just not the same, you know what I mean? Yeah. You still had your parents, you still had gifts under the tree, but it, it meant a lot less. The excitement wasn't there. Sure. You know, you, you sort of manufactured your happiness when you opened up some of your gifts because, you know, Absolutely. you know, oh hey, I'm happy and I'm fantastic to have this gift. But, you know, it's just not the same excitement that you had when you were a kid. And, you know, sometimes your mom is looking over at you, still trying to capture that magical yep. childhood. You know what I mean? And I get that as a parent because now when I – uh you know, when I buy my kids Christmas gifts, uh, I'm looking for that reaction too. And Certainly. especially, especially when they're young, you got that fascination of their, are you know, they can't wait to get down over the stairs. They're they're awake at four o'clock in the morning and they want to come down. And just, <laughs> yep. They want to see their, you know. But that's what it's about, Chris. That that's the oh, magic 100%. of Christmas. And 100%. seeing their eyes and seeing the smiles and the, you know, and seeing them open a comic book and and loving it. I mean, how good is that? How, how what kind of a feeling is that? You know, you oh, did parenting unbed, right. Yeah. None yes! <laughs> oh, so good, so good. You, you know, you, you know, you made good use of your time in life, right? There you go. <laughs> but no, it, <laughs> it, it does, it does resonate, and yeah, uh, you, and you need to get some kids, man. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna, like... ch- I'm gonna chat to your wife. That's it. Or I can, or I'll tell you what. I'll do you one better. I'll give you one of mine. How about that? Oh, wait a second. Wait a minute here. Hold on. <laughs> we'll we'll work out a uh, we'll work out a summer deal. Yeah,
0: <laughs> we could do snowbird stuff. Oh, um, no. <laughs> no, uh, that, after that uh, segue, I figure let's talk about some Christmas memories that have to do with the industry we hold so dear
1: Absolutely So I actually have two separate memories to share mm-hmm. uh, My first story, uh, I, uh, I have called it Collector's Remorse Okay Yes, so it's, you know, it, it's a tragic story, but it comes together at the end of So <laughs> no secret christmas is always a huge deal with my family growing up uh you know what my parents weren't rich by any means but my mom and dad worked hard to keep the lights on man they worked hard Mm -hmm. one thing they always made sure of is that my brother and i had the best christmas possible so there were very few occasions where you know we'd be missing an item off our christmas list my parents tried to hunt down anything and everything we asked for and i know to this day was not cheap so i can appreciate the, you know, what they sacrificed to give sure. their two, two kids a great Christmas, right? And if you lived in, you know, small town, Canada, Newfoundland, where I live, you'll understand that if you lived in a small town, you had limited shopping options. So we always relied on trips to the big city, you know, two hours away, so we could buy a lot of the unique items that weren't available in my hometown. So there was no internet at the time. You know, there was no home shopping network, if that even still exists. But what <laughs> we did have was the Sears Book. Oh yeah. Ah, now I can hear some of our listeners they're like, oh, he got (laughs) me the Sears wish book. Yes, yes.
0: (laughs) Wipe away (laughs) your
1: tears, child. (laughs) All
0: right. Because I think I think Sears, I think they went out of business this year, didn't they?
1: Yes, in Canada it was was tragic. Lots of people out of work and no wish book this year. This is actually the first year in Canada with no wish book. And I'm telling you, it's it's it is. It's 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 missing because the big thing about the wish book your kids anticipated it coming and they would oh, even, absolutely. Though, even though they have all these options online, websites and all that stuff. Our kids would take it. They'd sit down on the couch for hours and they'd circle circle you know, the pictures ninety nine percent of that. what was in that book. Was <laughs> circ- <laughs> all right. Now, I thank my mom and dad for buying, you know, ninety nine percent of my gifts, but there is no way I can touch my kids ninety nine percent. So hopefully they'll forgive me when they're older. I don't know. And Maybe I, I'm a cheapskate. Who
0: knows? <laughs> we, did the, uh, we did the Wish Book Christmas um, a couple years, probably in the early '90s or so. And uh, yeah, the, of course, you mentioned this is before the internet, so Absolutely. you're going from pictures, you know. And uh, when uh, a lot of the, uh, as I was growing up, a lot of the, the, bo- the part of the book I'd be looking at would be the video game section. Yes. And all you'd have is a screenshot that may or may not be from the game. you <laughs> that's listed there Oh boy it might, it might be a picture of Super Mario With Legend of Zelda written on it I mean you <laughs> just don't know And uh, I remember I got really psyched About Disney's Fantasia For the Sega Genesis From this oh, screenshot looked oh, oh, awesome. My, oh my goodness So that was my big gift that year I'm like oh I gotta get this game It looks great And the graphics on this screenshot Looked incredible <laughs> And I and I, I on Christmas morning, I'm all excited. I get the game right. Oh. I pop it in. I play it for like ten seconds, and I'm like, "Oh man, <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a massacre!" If you guys oh, have not played so that bad. game, it is a absolute tragedy. Oh, it is horrible. Oh man,
0: but uh, that Sad. was a uh, that was my uh, my ba- I have like a bad
1: uh, relation <laughs> to the wish book
0: from that. <laughs> it
1: made oh it my look goodness! So good. <laughs> oh Sears, Sears, what have you done to this man? You've scared him. I <laughs> still have the game somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, nobody else wants it. You can't sell that thing. <laughs> <laughs> so like I so like I said, you know, we would spend hours in front of this book circling. My brother and I, we circled everything. But I mean, back in the day, this thing was was jam-packed. I mean, it had oh, yeah. Star Wars from from wall to wall. There was G.I. Joe, Robotech merchandise, Robotech. There was always something to buy in that damn book, you know. It, it but it was a local tradition, okay? So if you didn't have the you know the wish book in Outport, Newfoundland, you basically, you know, you didn't have Christmas, really. That's that's what it amounted <laughs> to. So I fondly remember, you know, seeing one of the, you know, during one of my thousand scans, you know, there was something that looked a little bit unfamiliar to me, but it had the magic words, comics. Mm-hmm. It was the Sears comic book collector starter box set. And that's a mouthful, folks. Um, so, I you know, I was quick on the draw. I circled that right away. I noted that it was, you know, It stated that it was the start to any collector's comic lovers' collection, and it included uh, a nifty uh, collector's box. It had a drop-down flap, and inside it contained storage box dividers. Plus, now get this. This is the kicker. This is what sealed the deal. (laughs) Ten official comic bags and boards and ten collector's editions, which also guaranteed some number ones. Now, you know what? In 1982 and 83, if someone said it had number one issues this was like you 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 were setting your kids up it was gold. Like, yeah, yeah it, this was you know your future was sealed you were you were getting money for this stuff, right So anyway, flash forward to Christmas morning you know I'm on my usual adrenaline rush I'm ripping through my stuff and you know finally get to my comic collector set actually. I was quite surprised because it, it looked literally better than i ever imagined the box okay. itself had to be assembled if anyone ever built a banker's box it was similar to that except it was rectangular i'm trying to give you guys a picture here and it was black but on like a long box instead of having a like a top cover it had a side flap so when you pull that thing down uh it had three separate divider boxes on the front it said in in large bold yellow and font Uh, comic collector's box so if the box was any indication this you know this was a win this was this was this was cool but you know i still hadn't opened the main event so here they came the 10 promise collector's comics and while i can't remember every single title that was included uh, i i do remember such classics as reed fleming world's toughest milkman number three by the way not even number one or two number three uh Marvel's uh, Marvel Comics, uh, Star Comics, Meet Misty, number three. Nice. Meet Misty. <laughs> Probably one of the worst Star Comics out there. And boy, the fun kept going. So anyway, luckily, there was some Jack Kirby. It was Captain, <laughs> but not good Jack Kirby. It was Captain Victory and the Galactic Rangers. Not even a part of the regular series. It was a special edition. The Space Musketeers. Oh, boy. It <laughs> Blood- <laughs> The blood literally (laughs) drained from my entire body.
0: Before you go on, I'll break in here. Uh, If if anyone's interested in hearing more about Reed Fleming, the world's toughest milkman, you could check out episode 77 of the Cosmic Treadmill, available in the archives.
1: Nice. Beautiful segue, (laughs) by the way. (laughs) Plug, plug, plug. I can't believe you did a Reed Fleming episode. That's that's Oh, amazing. it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm checking that one out right after this. But anyway, the final insult. Now, at this time, I gotta say, I'm a Marvel fan. I sure. you know, I know I come across a super Marvel hater on this episode, but I loved Amazing Spider-Man. I loved Iron Man, I loved Hulk. Sure. So there was an issue of Amazing Spider Man. I could see it on the thing, so I slid it up. It was the Amazing Spider-Man Index. Oh, <laughs> It wasn't blah, blah, blah. even an issue of the series; it was a friggin' index. Oh, oh boy!
0: Now <laughs> I I had gotten one of these too, but it was uh, probably about ten years later. Uh, you you said eighty two? You got this? Yeah,
1: it was eighty yeah, two. I probably
0: 82. I probably got it like ninety one, ninety two, and, uh, and and what it was was basically a month's worth of Marvel, but not the entire month. It was like their second and third tier books.
1: So, oh no, like, wait, I get, no, no, no! You're right. No, you're right. It's it is actually. Uh, It is actually a 90s book. You're right. You're absolutely right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, This one I got, it had had Quasar. It had Guardians of the Galaxy, like before anybody cared about the Guardians of the Galaxy. (laughs) Uh, Wonder Man, of course. Um, Also, Captain America, Thor, and Iron Man, because you got to remember, in the early to mid-90s, those were second-tier books.
1: Yeah, so so boy, were they ever.
0: They were afterthoughts. I mean, basically, if you weren't, what, X-Men, Spider-Man, Ghost Rider, or Punisher you were nothing. I mean, absolutely. It, <laughs> I agree.
1: You're it, that is fact, folks.
0: Yeah, it's it's crazy to consider these days, but uh, if you were if you were anywhere tangent, tangentially associated with the Avengers, you were in a third second or third tier book in Marvel. So uh, now you, yours came with the collector's bags and boards. Yes. Mine came with an investment guide.
1: Oh, wait a second.
0: Yes, to uh, get me right in on on comic speculation and uh, and you know Putting down payments on houses and buying cars with my with my issue of like Quasar number twelve. Oh my God! <laughs> Wonder Man number two. Oh,
1: painful, painful. And it's crazy. That's because
0: I, I I I know I I don't think I actually circled that in the in the uh, wish book, but uh, that that year I got two long boxes and I got this this little kit here. This investment kit. So I don't know if like my mom just thought like, oh, you know, maybe this will help them out. But uh, you know, it was a, uh, it was a lot of just you know stuff.
1: <laughs> I, th- I think you're right. I think I'm remembering this wrong. I think it was I think it was more closer to the uh, to the '90s when I did get this thing. Because, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, I'm, I think you're bringing back recollections here for me. So that, that's good. <laughs> that's perfect. You're 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 bringing my uh, my memories back to uh, back to where they belong. There we go. Uh, so, but I'll tell you what. So after I did get this thing, you know, I, I didn't want to show disappointment, Chris. Sure. You know, as a parent, I know what it's like to see a Christmas, uh, you know, a Christmas gift that you think is going to be a huge win. And all of a sudden your kid poo on it. Mm, okay. Or just don't care, you know, or t- <laughs> it gets tossed in the closet and ends up as a, a dust bunny with, yeah. my L- with my LJN wrestlers, by the way. <laughs> You <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, anyway, to be fair to this this Sears set, it did have two great books. So one was uh, The Savage She-Hulk number one. And okay. I, lo- I love that book. And it, you know, was a su- it was in great condition. And, you know, that's one of the standouts. But as well, my favorite book out of all was Rom Space Night number one. Okay. And I, I still have both of those to this day, so it wasn't a total loss. But you know, the only thing I can recall at, at that particular day was meat missing number three. So that's great.
0: Because oh. it's, it's funny because I I really uh, wasn't uh, disappointed when I got it because I think I was because it was like probably ninety one or ninety two. And I was 11 or 12 years old. So I was kind of getting swept into the speculatory type of deal where, I mean, image was on its way. Uh, The foil covers were hitting and Wizard was coming out. So it was just like, (laughs) so like, yeah, there was like this just like bubbling. It's like, okay, oh, you know, this, this could be worth something. Uh, Not that I would sell anything, but just the thought of having something (laughs) that was worth something, you know? My wife,
1: my wife curses me every day that (laughs) because I won't sell my collection.
0: I know that feeling very.
1: There, <laughs> there, there could be rough months too where you know we're, we're upstairs and we're splitting to pee like Tiny Tim and Mickey's Christmas Carol. <laughs> and she looks down and have all these comics. Will you just sell one of your comics so we can eat? <laughs> no, it's not that bad. I'm just, I'm embellishing, of course. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: you, you mentioned a second story.
1: Oh, boy. This yes.
0: one uh, this one might be a little interesting. Here. Oh, oh,
1: oh, oh <laughs> my one. goodness. Oh, my goodness. So, like I said, my, my parents went out of their way. They always tried to hunt down anything that, that they thought I would like or reasonably enjoy. So,
2: sure.
1: you know, it, this is one of the rare non wish book moments that, you know, it actually caught me by surprise. And I use that term loosely, trust me. <laughs> so, I always prided myself in my hometown, which is very small, by the way. So, this is not a bragging point, uh, as having the biggest comic collection in my town. and And... That, like I said, that's not a bragging point. That's not a, that's not a big deal. Whether it was true or not, who knows? And know. the only thing I knew is that, you know, with the friends that I hang out with, I, I did have the most comics. So I thought I was, you know, I was the big man on campus, brother, when sure. it came to collecting. Uh, so my mom happened to work at a local retailer. And uh, she told me that the son of one of the ladies she worked with had a big comics collection. Of course, you know, I took great offense to that. Oh, really? <laughs> he's, got a, he's got a big collection, does he? Well, let's does go he? check this out. <laughs> yes. So anyway, um, I was told that I was welcome to go to his house and see what he was selling. You know, obviously I couldn't wait. Mm. Uh, you know, on the other side, it was probably, you know, I, I couldn't wait to see what this guy actually had to see if, it was, you know, we could, uh, you know, compare comic collections. So anyway, we made arrangements, and I was on my way uh, to. Uh, for storyline purpose, we'll call it Jerry's house.
0: Yeah, could you imagine something like this happening today? Oh
1: boy! Like,
0: just because I, I I live in a, a suburb of Phoenix, Arizona, and I think I might have a lot one of the larger <laughs> collections here, but I couldn't I couldn't imagine a parent bringing a kid over. And just yeah, here's a hey, here's I, a
1: stranger. He's coming and to and yeah, your collection. And this guy. <laughs> Go Don't into worry. that room with the comic box. <laughs> Why are you spreading garbage bags on the floor? That's with the <laughs> Oh, dear. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> so, anyway, I arrived at Jerry's house, and I knew right away that this was going to be an experience. So, this the Jerry character met me at the door, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be judgmental here, but this guy had, you know... Uh, the smell of cats pee around him i mean this guy oh, this right. guy was oh yeah he was uh, he was like a combination of sweat and cats pee so visualize that for all our mm. listeners mm. but anyway <laughs> you know what i didn't care what he smelled like i was there to see this darn comic collection right so anyway jerry leads me down to the bowels of his house to his musty solo bedroom where i can only imagine oh, what jerry oh. was doing in his spare time
0: oh. but uh
1: <laughs> really I, I, I mean
0: just imagine this
1: no 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 no, no. You, you don't want to folks just just for visual purposes just just I, think I, about I, it but never go in anyone's basement especially if they smell I, like cat's pee.
0: Oh, well i did something similar one time uh back back in new york i was uh, me and a buddy of mine were at the uh, comic store in uh idle hour idle hour new york it's a it's a very small town a college town and there was a small comic shop there we went and we were really big at the time into the uh like the Marvel Masterworks trading cards.
1: Yes, and, they were uh, amazing. I still have them. Oh
0: lord, yeah, there there that's like a lot of Joe Jusco and stuff a lot of yes. good stuff there. And uh a guy came in and he's like, "Oh, I've got a lot of singles for sale." And uh and we're like, "Oh, cool." And he's like, "Yeah, I live around the block." And we're like, "Oh, cool." <laughs> and I'm thinking about this Uh-oh. now, and I'm just like, "What in the hell was I thinking?" But uh, we we went to this dude's <laughs> Would you house. Make some uh, candy, uh, no, right? <laughs> <laughs> How come your house doesn't have windows, sir? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but he he actually was uh he was probably we were like 12, 13 years old. He was by like fifteen or sixteen. He lived with his parents, so it wasn't like uh, like your buddy Jerry here. But uh, just the thought of that now, I mean, wow, you know, that's just a different time. Oh. Totally oh, different time.
1: Kids, kids, learn a lesson from this particular podcast, please. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, would, don't try
1: this at home. No. But you know what? To Jerry's defense, he did have some talent. So you know what? He comes <laughs> down, and the first thing he shows me, he doesn't go right to his collection immediately, which was okay. suspicious to start. But he started <laughs> showing me some of his drawings. This guy could draw. I'm telling really? you right now. He looked like this guy could draw just like Joe, Joe Kubert. I mean, okay. he had a series of drawings that had, you know, tons of tanks and, shol- you know, soldiers and uh, Conan. He had, I mean, this guy was drawing amazing. Wow. So I knew he was He was definitely into comics because this guy had talent. So, sure. you know, I, I was super impressed, but I could only be super impressed so so much because I was starting to lose oxygen trying not to breathe <laughs> in cat urine. But anyway, and then he finally pulled it out. No, no, uh-huh. no, not, not that... His comic (laughs) box, of course. (laughs) Now, it wasn't a big collection, so right away I was like, oh, yes, still the man, still the man, right? I'm not defeated. But anyway, inside his box, he had a a wealth of books, actually. He had uh, tons of Savage Sword of Conan, which I had not seen a lot of these things, but he had almost every issue. You know, Hmm. like tons of these things and in great shape. So, you know, I was impressed right away. Then he had a lot of different war books. You know, he had tons of Sergeant Rock. He had GI Combat. He had uh, Two-Gun Kid, even some um, some Westerns Westerners. in there. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I wasn't really into much of that. I had some. But then he brought out his Batman collection. This guy had some Batman, brother.
0: Okay. I
1: mean, uh, and you know what? When you're talking about being so close to, you know, I think it was 88, 89, I think when Bat Fever was exploding and all that oh, stuff.
0: Oh,
2: sure, sure. Right? I mean, everybody
1: was into Batman. so. You know, I started to thumb through, you know, some of these classic Batman covers and there was like Raja Gull's, you know, early appearances and some classic Batman books. I actually, actually took a look. So they had Batman 277, like these are the ones that caught my attention, like the Demon of of Gotho's Manor. And they had, you know, Raja Gull one, the the Demon Lives Again, Batman 244 by Neil Adams. I mean, some of these are just classic, classic Batmans. And you know what? They weren't in the best condition. So, you know, I I did thumb through them, and I didn't really ask him the price, but, uh, you know, it was sort of like a, a call you later type of blow off. And, you know, I went on about my business, even though I envied his Conan collection. You know, I I sort of left Jerry in the in the in the lurch, right? I I I, 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 I didn't avail, but as much as I did like some of his Batman's, you know, didn't really get a good vibe off the guy. So you know, I yeah. left I let him lay with his collection, but now, did he try to hard sell you? Like, was this like? Oh, he was. Yeah, he was. He had a bit of a high pressure sales pitch, but you know, okay. I, I was I was more anxious to get out of there and recover my uh, oxygen, but <laughs> with these. Uh... Like these were like just
0: his collection. These weren't double duplicates. These were no,
1: this was this was his stuff and he was that selling he was it. just trying to unload. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So you know, typically when I deal with people in collections, you know, my first impression if you if it's not a good one, you're pretty well dead to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know I I, I I know that sounds harsh, but you know what? I was a collector that, you know, sure I was trying to maintain, you know, the best books I could find. So if you didn't have anything of interest, I really didn't, Sorry. you know, knock on your door anymore. So <laughs> I certainly didn't go back to Jerry's. But anyway. Let's flash forward to December twenty fourth. Of course, my mother, of course, you know, behind the scenes and unbeknownst to me, was uh, was already gaining intel from Jerry about what comics I saw when I was down to his down to his uh, his litter box. <laughs> 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 so anyway, Christmas morning arrives, and you know I'm I'm doing my regular motoring through my gifts when I see this small shirt size box, and you know I didn't think it was comic books, and I you know I literally didn't ask for any. Sure. So anyway, it still had my name on it, Chris on the tags. So, I, you know, I, I opened it up. And of course, the first thing that hits me is the undeniable smell of cat urine, You're kidding. <laughs> which which tipped me off. Yeah, his oh, comic books no. actually smelled like it. I don't know if they were oh. sprayed. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, I actually saw five of Jerry's Batman comics that I'd wanted. So I was I was stoked. I mean, I was happy. And I could feel my parents' eyes on me. So, you know, I always played it appropriately. I made sure that they got the full investment that I love these things, right?
2: Sure.
1: Now, that being said, I noticed, and I was pretty, you know, semi about, I thought, midway through my gift opening. And I looked under the tree, and there was really not much else there for me. Anyway, I didn't think too much of it. Much later during the day or whatever, my my dad comes up to me, and he sort of got this, you know, sly look to him. And he just leans in. He goes, those few comics costed a fortune. And I was okay. like, oh! And then he then he left, and I was like a little taken aback. I mean, the books were nice. Let's be honest. But sure. you know, when you when, when you're a guru like myself, and I had that one issue of uh, Overstreet Price Guide, yes. I thought I knew everything. But total these books, at most in the best condition at the time, maximum they ever would have cost would have been one hundred and twenty five dollars complete. Okay, a, I mean max. And these, distant, right? Okay. And and these things were not in great shape i mean they were they were literally in good shape they were well-read copies so i mean they you know yeah, if you could get twenty five dollars for the lot, it would have been it would have been impressive. So,
0: so like so anyway, readers' copies, basically. They well, were they fine. were readers'
1: copies, but yeah. no, no, they were they were flat copies and all that okay. stuff. But you know what? These things were they were aged, and you could see that they they had you know they were battered a little bit. Okay. But I was still pleased sure with them. Better. I wanted those books. You know what I mean? I wanted to dive in. So I later I chatted with my mom. You know, she brokered the deal, and she told me that the books costed three hundred dollars.
2: What? Yes.
1: I was shocked that so was more than I ever imagined 60 bucks each oh boy and these things I'm telling you they were oh. not worth the 60 bucks each so I tried to tell my mom you know you know I, as much as I enjoy them you know let's let's take them back I can't have you spending spend enough yeah, oh, wow. comic- oh come on you know <laughs> but anyway the cat pee kingpin took my parents <laughs> to the cleaners on Christmas day <laughs> <laughs> but oh, anyway man. anyway to, to to this point i lived in a small town where everybody knows everyone and in a weird twist of fate i never did see jerry again lucky for you jerry <laughs> but it was like thanos snapped his fingers and jerry disappeared from the universe <laughs> but as oh, with christmas it is the season and i have nothing in my heart but love of course but uh, so jerry if you're out there i hope you spent my uh, my parents money well my friend and made okay. a difference in the oh. world Or at least bought some odor removers for those cats But anyhow, moving on
0: (laughs) That is That is Wow, you know uh, I don't have anything comparable to that Uh, It's Because like uh, I have a substantial collection So people People who care about me and want to buy me comics Haven't haven't the foggiest idea even where to start Uh, So like I'll get I'll get gift cards and stuff and that's perfectly fine
1: Yeah, oh absolutely
0: But my my wife will like she'll sometimes go and like she'll go to Goodwill to buy a book because she's a school teacher. So she'll buy books for the classroom and she'll go to the Goodwill and stuff. And sometimes or actually just once she picked up comics (laughs) for me. And uh, and she's like, oh, I I got these for you. And I asked how much they were. And she said that they were like two dollars each. And it was it was definitely quarter box stuff, and I'm like, oh, you yes, got it. Yes. I'm like, you gotta return this, you gotta bring
1: it back because bringing I, it back
0: to the goodwill. Yeah, because I'm like, I can't in good conscience let you pay two dollars for for an issue of Steel number thirteen. You know, oh, no, no,
1: You don't need to do that. <laughs> that is one that is one level under Misty number three, folks, right there with Steel. It's right oh, up Oh my there. God, it's
0: right up there. But uh, I, oh man, that breaks my heart that you're oh, no, all that, no, that you're you're that much money, and that dude just took advantage.
1: Oh yeah, but he's he, <laughs> he's long gone from the universe, my friend. I would assume
2: <laughs> he's <laughs> oh, never poor returning.
1: Jerry. Poor, poor Jerry. <laughs> 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 oh man. I hope he's not, hope he's not listening. Anyway, <laughs>
0: <laughs> we can take all. Well, we need all the listeners we can get. So uh, <laughs> there you
1: go. Okay. <laughs> hey
0: Jerry, we got a we got a Patreon cooking too. Uh, uh. <laughs>
1: Maybe can spend some of my parents' money to help out for this show. There you go. (laughs) Oh
0: boy! Now, uh, wow! Did you (laughs) did you have any more uh,
1: stories here? So so this one's not comic related, but I tell you what, I I will wrap up my my time on the infinite earth here with this one story, and it's the uh, it's it's a harrowing tale of regifting. Okay. All right. So anyway. Uh, myself and my wife had just got married. Of course, you know, we had our first child and, uh, you know, he had some, uh, medical issues at birth. Okay. So, you know, we were going through him, uh, we we're going doing some, you know, different medical treatments with him and all that stuff. And it was quite costly. So, you know, we, we did some fundraisers to be able to help out and, you know, pay for some medical bills and different things like that. And our next door neighbors were the salt of the earth. I mean, these guys... They helped us out. They would, you know, anything we needed, they were there. If, uh, you know, there was snow in my driveway, this guy would be out shoveling when I wasn't shoveling, which is oh, another awesome. other story. Yeah, I mean, this, this guy was, these people were amazing. Like, I, I could not speak any higher of them, right? So anyway, um, I worked at a local mall. And I worked as a security slash maintenance guy, okay. And when I say security slash maintenance, you know, everyone thinks Paul Bart mall cop. No, no, I was I was cleaning toilets and uh, emptying <laughs> emptying uh, garbage uh, garbage bags at the lottery booth. That was that was sure. basically my entire job, sure. right? So anyway, uh, every year for Christmas, the mall manager would always give us a little gift. And when I say little gift, it was a fruitcake. It was a wrapped square. Fruitcake, or oval-shaped fruitcake. Okay? Sure.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, and I don't know how people, what people's thoughts of fruitcake are, but I, I'm, I'm not a fruitcake eater whatsoever. I, I can't stand it. I've never had like, one. Yeah. Oh, oh. So these things are boiled, and they're extremely rich tasting, and are they're, they're they're heinous. So anyway. <laughs> But so anyway, every year I would come in and, you know, I, I I just tossed the thing under the tree. And chances are, you know, right after Christmas, it would go into garbage unless, you know, someone came down and by, by fate, accidentally took it That's for themselves or whatever. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> stepped on it or the dog ate it or God knows. But anyway, I didn't. Bottom line, I didn't like fruitcake. OK, so this year came. Christmas came along again. And myself and my uh, my co-workers were there and we were presented with our, you know, our traditional little little gift again. So. As per normal, I come home with my uh, with my little gift and I toss it and it rolls under the Christmas tree up against the heater. So this thing is here for, I mean, two or three days. I mean, this thing is just just cooking over in the corner under the Christmas tree, okay? <laughs> so anyway, the next door neighbors were, were there out helping us again, doing their regular, you know, goodwill routine that they were always doing. And mm-hmm. I was talking to my wife and I'm like, we got to do something for these guys. You know, we get, we, we got to help them out. We got to give them something to say that you know, thank you very much. We don't have much money, but what can we give them? What can we do? So anyway, then it dawned on me. My God, the fruitcake! Yes. There you are. So anyway, I got a, I got myself a little tag. I put their name on it, and I grabbed that fruitcake, and I ran over and I presented it to his wife. And oh, she was extremely thrilled. Extremely thrilled. Very very happy to get this fruitcake. So that was all well and good. I thought I did myself a good deed. You know, I thanked the people who were helping us out all the time. So, anyway, a couple of days after Christmas, flash forward, I come to work and my coworker's sitting down and he's he's having his lunch. And uh, he's really chewing into his lunch and he's like really enjoying it. And he said, Oh, man. He said, uh, Great gift this year, hey? And I said, what, what do you mean? He said, The ham. He said, uh, they, We didn't get the fruitcake this year. We got the ham. Oh. <laughs> So anyway, <laughs> anyway, it was not a fruitcake, folks. It was a ham that was literally sitting by my heater for oh. uh, for three to four days on nuclear. Oh, this is what I bestowed upon my <laughs> on my next door neighbor. <laughs> oh, so, that is uh, wild. I, I'm telling you right now, I'm, I'm sick to my stomach telling this story because I, I'm uh, the wash of embarrassment just hits me every time. <laughs>
0: Did they ever mention it? They moved
1: away. <laughs> they moved away. <laughs> they, they saw it as think, an act I, of war. I, I, honest, I honestly didn't think that it had anything to do with the ham. I like to think it doesn't. And I hope, you know, I didn't didn't poison anyone with botulism or anything. But my God. Anyway, folks, moral of the story, <laughs> uh, before you re-gift anything, always check the package. Always it may it. not be a fruitcake. <laughs>
0: oh, that's insane.
1: And that, my friend, (laughs) is the tale of the tape from the Heroverse.
0: Oh, well, wow,
1: okay. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have anything that can match that either. (laughs) Would you like some ham, Chris? I'm just asking you. (laughs) I
0: probably could do with some, but...
1: (laughs) I do not like green eggs and ham. (laughs) I do
0: not like radiator ham. uh... (laughs) Amazing. Oh, that's great! Well, Chris, I, I definitely want to thank you for stopping by to share some uh, Christmas cheer, uh, and uh, you know, thank you so much. Uh, Merry Christmas! Oh, happy, 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 Christmas. happy, all
1: that good stuff. Uh, tell the tell the folks where they can uh, they can find your presence online. You can find the Charlton Hero at Charlton underscore Hero. Yes, I'm one of those uh, I'm one of those underscore people. So at under- <laughs> Charlton underscore Hero, you find me on Twitter. Hook me up. We we'll always have some engaging banter on the old Twitter. <laughs> And, uh, if you go to, um, if you go to, uh, follow Friday me with the hashtag FF, make sure we include Chris. He's always being <laughs> in
2: So
1: let's include this guy. Come on. What's wrong with you people? Uh, as well, you can hook me up. I have my own little blog, which is about to get relaunched, uh, mm-hmm. which is a, uh, which is happening in January with the new Super Blog team up, uh, and it's, it's called the Superhero Satellite. So just Google Superhero Satellite. It's at uh, CharltonHero.WordPress.Com, and uh, you can check it all out for all your retro needs for sure. Yeah, and if uh, if you do look him up on Twitter, just make sure you compliment
0: his pink background on his speedball Yes, please. Thank you. Speedball avatar. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm having a complex over this pink background here. I'm thinking (laughs) this coming from a guy with a Terry, (laughs) Terry long avatar on on Skype. (laughs) Nobody knows that man. (laughs) It's true. I'm I'm breaking down the fourth wall here, people. (laughs) It's been shattered. Now, uh,
0: if anyone out there would like to share their Christmas memories, uh, you'll be hearing this on Christmas. So by the time you hear it, it might be after Christmas, but we're always up for a good Christmas story. So share, you can, uh, Hit us up on Twitter or you can uh, send an email, weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. The uh, cosmic treadmill now has a Patreon. Uh, if you like what we're doing, want to toss us some bones. We're at patreon.com slash Chris and Reggie. You can find us or follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cosmic We're also on Twitter at cosmic T-Mil. You can find Reggie at Reggie Reggie, and I'm at Ace Comics. You can check out the archives of all of our programming at weirdcomicshistory.blogspot.com. You can find a chronological listing of all the programs, show notes, all that stuff. Uh, this week in particular, you can find a lot of really neat activities for Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Which, uh, if you're if you're listening uh, if you're listening in order, then you heard this one a couple days ago. But uh, that was our Cosmic Treadmill Christmas uh, episode. Was uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? Well, you heard me talk like this For a long, <laughs> long time And uh, to the point where I'm very dizzy uh, That's a talent,
1: folks That's a talent <laughs> It is
0: Now, uh, you can also uh, check out the uh, site That this show is named after You can go over to chrissoninfiniteearths.com And while you're over there If there's a book on that blog That you'd like to hear me discuss Or if there's a book on there You want to come on and talk to me about Drop me a line We'll see what we can figure out uh, I want to definitely thank everyone for uh, for visiting with us on this uh, holiday, and uh, so long for now. Merry Christmas!
1: Merry Christmas, everybody.